Welcome to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. If you have any questions about mortgages or real estate, give us a call at 521-TALK. That's 521-8255. Whenever you hear us, you know it's the weekend. Mr. Napolitano, Mr. Rushforth, welcome. It's another beautiful Saturday in the nation's capital. Good morning, gentlemen. I can't believe it's the last weekend of August already. How did this It's happen? crazy how fast this summer's gone by. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, I was in, in moving hell, so it's, uh, you know, it went much faster for me. But yeah, like summer's over. Kids are going back to school. The French kids are going back to school this week. And it's, uh, it, was, it felt like a short summer to me. Yeah. I know you won't know, Paul, but 6 a.m., it's actually still dark. I know you probably have no idea that that happens. But... <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> <You know>? Whatever. <laughs> are, you well, up at, did... are you up at 6, Frank? I am. I am. You know, and I don't know. I think people, uh, you know, your age would definitely understand, Steve, but my age, you know, <laughs> we're starting to see where we wake up in the middle of the time on a number of occasions. And uh, that's never happened you know, to me. Yeah. It it's, doesn't, it's, eh? Frank, the only reason you're up at six is because your, your depends are wet. <laughs> 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 well, did this summer surprise you guys now that, uh, not that the summer's over yet, we still got another month or so to go, but the, the July, August, did it surprise you or you were pretty much expecting what happened with the slowdowns? Well, it's, yeah, it's disappointed me from the fact that the interest rates have gone up as much as they have, and it's really hurt the ability for specifically young Canadians to get into the housing market right now. I mean, never mind what's happened the last two years with the prices, but at least the interest rates remain you know, fairly low. But what we've seen the last three months has really hurt the ability, again, for, for first-time home buyers to get into the market. And... Uh, uh, you know, and, and obviously it's done what it's done to the real estate market, which is pretty well put it at a standstill, right, Paul? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I was on a conference this week uh, um, and, and hobnobbing with all the Americans and stuff like that and some people from Canada and they're feeling the same pinch. They're complaining about the rates. They're complaining about prices. Some areas are actually dropping drastically when it comes to prices. Uh, they're in a full-blown recession and it's, uh, it's uh, you know, I, I don't think it's going to affect the real estate market that much. Um, I'd like to see rates start to come down, though, so we can get this economy or get this market back to uh, to moving, because right now it's just not moving. I was actually talking to a, a buddy of mine who's also in your field, uh, Frank, and he says, like, you know, the, the refinances are like none, like no one's refinancing at all because the rates are so high. The, the refinance business is way down. Well, it's way down. You're right, though. Some people will do it, but the people that will do it are the ones that, you know, potentially, um, you know, are in their nearing the end of their term. So, but... You know, anybody that renewed over the last two years, and if you took a fixed rate and you're in the ones or twos, you're crazy to refinance. If anything, the only refinance you would do is hope, hoping that your lender offers a home equity line of credit because the, you wouldn't touch the mortgage. You'd leave the mortgage exactly the way it is. Absolutely. Yeah. But no, Steve, it, it wasn't a surprise. I mean, the only thing that was a surprise is the the, the sort of the, the steam came out of the market quick. Like, yeah. same as 2021. I mean, we were just smooth sailing through really smooth. And then all of a sudden, excuse me, all of a sudden July comes around last year and it just shuts. And the same things happen right now. Like it just one week, it was like, wow, this is crazy. Next week I'm talking about my guarantees and about uh, conditional sales and first refusals. And we actually, we actually have a first refusal right now, conditional on the sale of someone selling their house. It's, it's crazy. Like the market has just completely shifted. But in the last few years, those changes have been swift all along. Whenever there's a change, it happened overnight, right? Well, look at how January, January this year, the market just started going insane. 
And it's just like just overnight it did that because we in 2021, we saw July really start to shut down a little bit. And we went to a stagnant market till the end of the year. And all of a sudden, January comes around and boom, it just goes crazy. End of April, it really starts to slow down. So it's uh, it's you know, it doesn't surprise me. Um, the only thing that surprised me, like I said, is how quick things have changed, how fluid it is. Um, and, you know, one minute we're talking about a crazy market. The next minute, you know, we're talking about conditional sales and conditions and financing conditions and home inspections. And um, but like I've said, you know, for the last few weeks, probably the last few months, this allows us to do our job and it shows who's really doing their job better than everybody else. Uh, there's some fantastic agents in this city and and, you know, the cream of the crop will come on up, up will come out on top going through a tough market like this. We really have to earn our keep in this market for sure. Frank, any chance rates are going to come down in the next six months at some point? There's always a chance rates are going to come down because six months ago, nobody envisioned that the rates would go up as quickly as they have either. That being said, I mean, unfortunately, it's certainly feeling like and the bond market is pricing in at least a half percent increase on uh, prime rate come September 7th. So, um, you know, and then from there, we'll see what happens. The bond market retreated for about three or four weeks. And all of a sudden, the last uh, ever since Tiff Macklem came on and, uh, you know, suggested that he's still got another increase in his pocket, big increase in his pocket. The bond market has spiked up over the last week and a half, two weeks, but uh, uh, it slowed down a little bit this week. And and now the hope is that, uh, you know, it's priced in the increase that's going to happen on September 7th. And then from there on in, hopefully the numbers will start to come in. The banks, you know, let's not shed a tear for them, but their profits weren't as high as they were, you know, the same quarter last year. Yeah, you know what? If you if you add up all the banks, they only made about ten billion dollars in this quarter. <laughs> Incredible in a quarter. Yeah, I'm not talking about yeah. for the year net profit in a quarter. So um, again, I mean, they're uh, you know they keep telling us that their spreads are thin. They're really not that thin. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, there is a big price discrepancy. Actually, you know, when you go from the big banks to the non banks, the non banks have five year fixed in the four and a half percent range right now. Uh, you know, on a high ratio purchase and the banks are well over five. So they're, you know, and the banks are crying that the spreads are thin, but these lenders are doing it for, for half a percent less. And they're saying that their profit margins are fine. So go figure. So what are the nine non-bank lenders at what? Four, 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 nine now? Yeah. Four, four, nine, four, five, nine for a five-year fix, which again, I mean, it's, you know, it's just like the gas prices when they're a dollar 50, we think they're good when they're really not that good because, you know, really, we should be based on what the oil is right now. We should be the dollar twenty, dollar twenty-five. So, um, you know, I, I I would still there's still a, a big part of me that at this point would say you should take a variable because if a recession does hit, then you know, Paul, you're talking about a recession in the U.S. and they're talking about a big recession hitting. The numbers prove otherwise, though. I mean, the job reports that are coming out of the states prove otherwise. The only thing that's really hurting everybody is the fact that the price of gas has spiked up the prices of everything else that we use on an everyday basis. And the average income person is really feeling that pinch. You know, what's you know, what's really a pinch right now is airlines. I mean, I, I was supposed to be in Dallas this week, but I got trapped in Toronto because of the, how crazy it was. And when you look at social media and you look at the news and that, and you see how bad it is at Pearson airport, put that on steroids. It was disgusting, the service there, but saying that, because of gas, flights are out of control right now. Like I, I booked a flight to San Diego for a conference in October for myself and my management team to fly. That so that's three of us. It was thirty five hundred dollars just for flights, and on most of the planes, we had to pay for seats on top of that. 
like, and, and the seats were like a couple hundred bucks. So like everything's out of control right now. I mean, it's, it's, you know, with inflation and the way it is, it's, it's unbelievable. Everyone's feeling a pinch. That's for sure. And it's not just in real estate, not just in mortgages and gas. It's everything's a pinch right now for a lot of people. A lot of people living paycheck to paycheck right now. And they're struggling. Are you sure? That yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to feel it when I come back, when we go back in the studio, when I got to buy breakfast, like I'm really going to feel it. <laughs> oh, geez. Are you sure those flights were canceled or they just didn't want you at that conference? <laughs> well, you know what? <clears throat> it's funny. It's funny. We got delayed. Then we got, then we got canceled. Then we were rerouted. Then we got back canceled. And the signs were telling us they don't want us at that conference. They don't want me. Get, they don't want me getting on that plane for some reason. If you guys know me, I'm a nervous flyer as it is. And I looked outside, and I it was like six o'clock at night. And it was pitch black with like little lightning bolts coming down. I'm like, I'm okay not getting on that plane. <laughs> hey, how close are we to a buyer's market now, Paul? Certain areas we're already in a buyer's market. I mean, I think when the numbers come out at the end of August here, uh, our months of inventory might be a little bit closer to that four months of inventory. I mean, we were at 2.9 for residential and 2.5 for condo months of inventory. I think we might be closer to that four, which teeters us into a balanced market. But like I said, certain areas are hotter than other areas. And what we found is the older areas where you don't have new home builders in there are the areas that are still somewhat hot. The areas that are slowing down a little bit are the areas that have lots of new home builders in there because there's a lot more inventory in those areas. You know, when you look at, we're, we're just under 3,600 homes on the market right now. And I look at things like that over the last seven days, conditionally sold, price decreases. There was 322 price decreases last, last week. Like that's a lot of price decreases. And, now, I, I know that's know, reflective of the market, but how much of that is overpriced listings to begin with? Well, the problem is, is when your neighbor sold for, you know, 700 two two months ago, and now you're in the 650 range and you're not selling. I mean, it's, it's frustrating because your neighbor got 700 and you're not getting it now. So it's, but like I, I shot a video this week because even my videographer was a little bit shocked by it. In the last 18 months, our average sale price went up $190,000. Now we were at 210, we've come down 20, $20,000, but still. We're up $190,000 since the start of 2021. So I like to tell people not to panic. You've still increased the value of your home astronomically, which you wouldn't have done if we didn't go through these crazy increases. So again, it shows Ottawa is a unique market because Toronto, Vancouver has come down a lot more than that, right? Yeah, they have. They have. I've talked to a buddy who's a Toronto realtor and he said there's some areas that, you know, they used to be getting, you know, a million in. They're now getting eights in it. So it's, uh, but still- Eight is more than what they would have got if we didn't go through this crazy market. So it's all relative. 521-TALK, 521-8255. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back to the show. Paul Rushworth here. Frank DePaulo here. This is Steve Gregory. Paul, what do you think, if I were to ask you over the last 10 years, what percentage has been buyer's market? What percentage has been seller's market? Over the last 10 years? Yeah. We've been, a lot of years we were in a balanced market. Keep in mind, a balanced market means four to six months of inventory on the market. So we've technically been in a balanced market for most of it. Uh, In uh, uh, 2013, 14, and 15, we were in more of a a buyer's market. But keep in mind, certain areas of the cities change. I mean, we could be in a strong seller's market. There could be some areas in more of a balanced market and vice versa. You know, there's... There are some hot areas in a buyer's market as well that, that are teetering towards a balanced, if not a seller's market. So I would say there was probably three years we were in a bit of a buyer's market. 
Uh, the rest of the time, we are in a balanced market. And over the last two years, we've seen a yeah. crazy seller's market, obviously. But right now, we're starting to teeter into a balanced market. And like I said, some areas, we're still sellers. Other areas, we're getting close to a buyer's. So it shouldn't be a surprise that we're flipping back to a balanced market. That's the norm, right? It, it is the norm. A balanced market is the norm. Um, and it's a healthy market. I mean, when it's balanced, it's a lot more healthy. You don't have, you know, there's no advantage for a seller or a buyer. It's just, a, it's just an even market. Um, and it allows realtors to do their job and actually get sharpen their skills and, and show their skills a little bit more. So, I mean, I think the last two years has been super uh uncomfortable on buyers put it that way i mean a lot of my agents that were predominantly working with buyers they really worked hard i mean some of them were putting in six seven eight offers not getting them accepted so they were doing twice sometimes three times the work with these buyers and of course the sellers i mean what we brought to the table as realtors would be you know the strong realtors were able to get you way more over asking than than sort of trying to do it on your own or doing the you know the cheapest way so we um you know, there's skills required on both sides, even during this seller's market. You must have seen huge frustration with buyers, Frank, over the last two years. Boy, the way the, that script is flipped now where, you know, from a buyer standpoint, pre-approvals, you know, they were all ready to buy. And unfortunately, like Paul said, I mean, you know, you look at houses, you make what you think is a very competitive offer and you're not even in the top five or 10 percent of, of those offers. And uh, you know, it frustrates a lot of uh, first-time home buyers that have never been through the process because they don't know, like their parents are telling them, this is not normal. Their parents are telling them to go in under the list price. And of course, the real estate agent saying under, you can't even get close to the, like you got to go 10, 15, 20% more than the list price in some cases. So for them, uh, you know, they never gone through that and, and, and they were getting conflicting reports from whoever they were talking to. And a lot of them just got frustrated, went on the sidelines. And now as the as the real estate market started to correct itself and get back to what we talk about, which is a normal, healthy, balanced market, well, then the interest rates skyrocket like they have. And all of a sudden now they're saying, well, now we really can't afford to buy because the prices haven't come back down. They've come down moderately, but not enough to make up for the fact that the interest rates have gone from, we were pre-qualified at 219 and now you're telling us we're at 4.59. Well, that's a huge jump in my payment, which we really can't afford at this time. Yeah, yeah that, was, that, was, that was a lot of the talk at this conference too, was affordability with the way the interest rates are in the States right now. Well, and Canada, but they're, they're even higher in the States. And so, you know, that house maybe came down, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000, but with your interest payments now, it's, it's more expensive, even though the prices have started to come down a little bit. So it's, it's been a weird weird coupling of high interest rates, prices coming down a little bit, but not enough to make a difference on your payment. I would guess they're going to come down in the next year, though. And having said that, does it make sense to get a one-year closed, Frank? It does, actually. I'm, you know, I've had some clients say, we're just going to take as a, a short a term as possible. Whether it's variable or whether it's a one- or two-year fixed, we're not going to lock in for five years. The problem is that the lender's rates on the one- and two-years aren't that attractive, but at least you have an out a year or two from now, if you feel like interest rates are going down. So, and now, you know, prime rate goes up by another three quarters of a percentage point, depending on what the bank and lenders are offering on a variable, you might be better off to take a one or two year because it might be actually lower than the variable rate. And which, which sounds crazy because that's something that we normally don't see, but that's what might happen. We might be in a position where the prime rate less whatever discount you get uh, so that variable rate mortgage or adjustable rate mortgage rate will be actually higher than taking a one or two year. 
And we might even hit a point where the five-year might be less than the than the variable, which is something we don't see very often either. So yeah. then you got to bet on futures, right? Yeah. Frank, are you? Uh, I, I'm starting to hear a little bit of chatter on September 7th that they may not be raising the interest rates. Do you, do, do you hear that? The market is telling us differently. And uh, Tiff Macklem came out uh, about a week and a half ago and indicated that he's still in a position to raise the prime rate. So, uh, you know, I think you're hearing that, you know, if you're talking to some of your American friends, I think the American, uh, the Treasury is, is, is thinking about maybe they've done enough with their prime rate. But on the Canadian side, again, you know, the good thing is going to be this might be the last one because the next one after that is the end of October. And then he'll have two months of reports of inflation, which the inflation number should be coming down. But the problem now is that, you know, we went from 8.1 to 7.7. Well, that's not enough for him to change his mind on um, maybe leaving prime the way it is. So he feels like this one more increase is going to get everything in line. And then he'll have two months of inflation reports to go by. And if that number can get maybe below 5%, maybe he's done uh, increasing prime rate. Isn't there it's, a danger uh, of good. too much too fast, though? Absolutely, 100%. Especially, you know, and if, if we were just talking about mortgages, that's one thing, but we're not talking about mortgages. We're talking about everyday life, everything going up. You know, your everyday foods that you need, all your requirements have gone up tremendously. And now once you talk, you know, once you add housing costs on there, utility costs have gone up, everything's gone up. This is where Canadians are struggling. And now the fear is that we are going to go into a recession. The question is, how big is the recession going to be? Is it just going to be a little bit of a correction? And then they're okay with that. But if it goes into a major, and listen, I've, I've read some economist reports where they talk about, you know, global meltdown. And global meltdown uh, means that interest rates are going to plummet, just like they did when the pandemic started. And we might start to see the real estate market start to go crazy again. Because the one thing I will say, we still have all those pre-approvals. So those people are waiting on the sidelines to buy properties. So, you know, if the government thinks that, you know, the supply issue has gone away, they're so wrong. We still have a supply issue. The problem right now is that the interest rates are too high. So you've got a whole bunch of people on the sidelines. But once the interest rates come back down, I hope the government's addressing and, and the municipalities are addressing the fact that they still got to build a lot of houses because the demand's going to be there. Oh, for sure. I mean, we have our millennials, which is our largest cohort. Our millennials are in their prime buying years right now. And we don't have the inventory to keep up to all these millennials looking to buy. So, I mean, it'd be different if we were looking at a small cohort, but these millennials are huge. A huge amount of the population is, is looking to buy properties, but they can't find anything. And now you raise the interest rates. And I think, to be honest with you, there's a lot of buyers that, like Frank said, that are sitting on the sidelines, not only because of the interest rates, because they're punch drunk. Like they're just, yeah. they've, they've had enough. They've just, we have, we, what we did is we went through our database and looked over the last year, how many buyers that just sort of said, you know what, I'm done. I, I can't keep losing all these offers. And we're reaching out to those guys again saying, hey guys, prices are starting to correct themselves in, the, in some areas. Yes, the interest rates are high, but you're getting an opportunity now to, to, to buy, you have more choice out there. I mean, I looked at, a friend of mine wanted, wanted to look at a, a townhome in the Orleans area. And just in one section of the Orleans area, there was 39 townhomes for sale where before there was like four. Yeah. Now there's like 39 and I'm seeing a lot of price decreases. You're now, I mean, there was not one townhome in this area in the sevens. They were all in the mid to low sixes. Uh, and there, there was a couple in the high fives. So, Boy, you, you know, sure need a good negotiator right now, don't you? Oh yeah, you do. Absolutely. I mean, you need, 
listen, it's not on the, just on the sell side where you have to have a great agent helping you out there. The buy side is just as strong too. I mean, you need, you need solid representation to get you the best deals out there. And, you know, the days of going over asking in most areas of the city are gone. Um, you know, so you're now being able to negotiate when you're, when you're buying a property. Uh, kind of a welcome change, actually. Not it for, is not for sellers, it, it, but certainly for buyers. Yeah, like I, where I feel bad is where I'm talking to some of these. I mean, like I, I'm run off my feet with guarantees right now. I'm, I'm running up to see tons of people with guarantees, and I feel sorry for some people. I mean, yeah. they're they missed the market. They missed the market, and I have to tell them that their house is not worth what they think it is, and it's it's hard, but it's the truth. Five two one talk five two one eight two five five. We will be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back. Hey, here's how quick time creeps up. If you want to be in a house before Christmas, you better be looking now, right? Absolutely. It's, it's Absolutely. crazy. That's crazy when you think of that. Yeah, it is crazy. I mean, we're not far from, from Christmas. And uh, yeah, if you're looking to get in for for Christmas, you're looking right now. I mean, yeah. The average closing is anywhere between, you know, 30 and 60 days is where, where the average closing is. And we're seeing some quicker ones right now. We're seeing some two to three week closings as well. So, And that's because the people that are buying and selling now have to, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and there still is lots of people out there that have to sell and have to buy. I mean, there's, I mean, the, the listings are starting to, to flood on the market, which is great. Uh, but, you know, if I look at the new listings by week, it dropped a little bit from last week. If I look at the sold properties by week, it actually increased and the average sale price increased as well. So um, it's a finicky market, though. I mean, we could be talking a different story next Saturday. You know? yeah. And like you so, said, you got to you got to choose your locate your area, right? Because it's it's different in every area. It really is. And I like to be. You know, even though I'm no longer in the production side of it, I still like to be abreast of what's going on. And obviously I have to educate my team and, and, and train my team, but it's um, I love to look at different areas of the city and what's happening, all these different areas. And it's, it's strange. I mean, one week it's something next week, it's something else. And, you know, some weeks there's really no inventory in a certain market. Other weeks there's loads of inventory in a certain market, but you really have to, you, you can't look at Ottawa as like a macro market right now. You have to actually pinpoint your area. So like, you know, when I'm saying, you know, last month, uh, the average sale or the number of sales was down 35%. The average sale price was up 3.8%. Well, in some areas, the average sale price was up 10%. In other areas, it went down. So yeah. there's, you gotta, you gotta really do a micro, um, micro uh, review of where you're actually looking to, to, to know what's going on in the market in that area. I did a little research this week and I, and I saw a stat didn't surprise me actually that the most sales in Stittsville happen on Frank street. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know why? It's because everyone's trying to get out of there. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, exactly. All the sellers are trying, trying, trying to get out of there. Of all the areas in the city, that's the shortest lived place in town is on right. Frank Street. You know, they just, well, yeah. especially Frank, the, the the neighbors directly, especially them. Well, when, when Frank's in his speedo cutting his lawn with scissors, that's probably why they want to get out of there. You know, there's only one of us that's got pictures in a speedo, and it ain't me and it ain't Steve. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did that to me at the golf tournament. My God. Hey, Frank, uh, uh, how many people are coming to requalify now? People that have had a- approvals in the past three, four, five months and now realize that, whoa, I better go back and make sure I'm up to date. Well, the ones that are still even thinking about buying, the problem is that most of them, honestly, like I said before, are on the sidelines. Like they're looking at the interest rate. They're looking at the cost. They've they've contacted us and said, okay, so now that the rates have gone up, what's our payment look like? 
here's what it looks like. And they're like, yeah, we'll wait then. Like, we got to wait until until the interest rates come down because it's just not affordable for us. It, uh, you know, most people today, and, and, and listen, I mean, I mean, I think this is the way, you know, and Paul talks about all the all the different generations all the time. And on the mortgage side, it's no different. On the mortgage side, they still want some kind of a lifestyle and they don't want to gear away from that lifestyle where, you know, my parents would, would stop everything and not go out to eat and, and not do anything just enough, you know, just just to make their mortgage payments on a monthly basis. Yeah. And they don't care that it was too expensive. They would make those sacrifices where today you're seeing more and more people say, like, we're not interested in, we still need to travel once or twice a year. We still want to go away on weekends. We still want to be able to go out to dinner. We still want to have those things. And if we can't have them, then it's okay. We'll wait another year or two before we buy a house. Yeah, but you wait. Yeah. You, I mean, how long do you wait now? <laughs> every every day but, you wait. But it's so. not about, it's not necessarily about, you know, if you look at it from a financial standpoint, then yeah, I think you're crazy to wait. But not everybody looks at it from a financial standpoint. They look at it more from a lifestyle standpoint. And this is the lifestyle they want. And, and that's why they're settling for smaller lots, like Paul says, right? They want a house that has no work to be done on it because they prefer to take their extra time and spend it doing what they'd like to do, whether it's exercising, hiking, traveling, whatever it is, as opposed to doing fixes around the house and doing chores around the house. Hey, yeah, what? I get I get sick of doing chores and fixes around the house. Well, Paul's an example of a guy who's not, you know, in a generation that he acts like he's in that generation because <laughs> because he doesn't like to do any work around the house. I mean, oh, as, you know, now, on, now he gets somebody on. to come and do it for him, but still, I mean. Hey, what, per- like- what percentage of millennials in Ottawa do you think are homeowners already? Um, hmm. I'm willing to bet not as many as people think. I bet you that number's lower. Um, I'm going to say, what percentage of millennials are not homeowners? Are already homeowners. I, I don't, I'm not going to guess, but I think it's a lower number. 53%. 20? Yeah, I was going to say 53, 40. that much. Yeah, I, I thought that was a bit high, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, it feels high. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know what? High. You know what? Millennials, they're, they're much different than any other generation. Millennials are, they're more about quality of life than they are about anything. And I think a lot of millennials, um, are, are, they're fine being renters. They're fine being renters because they want to rent in different locations. They want to make sure they have disposable income to do other things. Um, they don't care to be, you know, re- have the responsibility of fixing up a house and things like that. They want the landlord to take care of that. So I actually thought that number was going to be lower, Steve. 53% yeah, so actually, did I. Yeah. yeah, 53% is actually quite high compared to what I thought it was going to be. Wow. But, but that both. Uh, it's because I'm Italian, I think. I think on the Italian side, it's probably 15 to 20% because <laughs> why would you want to leave home? <laughs> where your parents look after you and True. and feed you that delicious food. Like plus plus they have two kitchens, so like they've already got that second kitchen. So. It, it, it is it is hard to believe, eh, Paul, that after all these years, Frank is still living with his parents. <laughs> I know. I was gonna say he's almost sixty. He's still living with mom and dad. Unbelievable. He just lives in their basement. That's all. <laughs> I think that I like that stat though because that bodes well for their future. You know, like, there's a lot of millennials that have made some pretty good money over the last couple of years. Absolutely. If they were in home ownership, especially over the last couple of years, they've made some really really good money. So it's good I to agree. See. And we read a lot about the negative stuff. I mean, obviously we're reading about the market, the values have come down, but honestly, I mean, if you look at, and you know, I've had this conversation with many of my clients, please do a spreadsheet of where you were five years ago. Take a look and list your assets. What you think your assets were five years ago, what you think your liabilities debts were, 
That'll give you your net worth. Do it again, maybe two or three years ago before, before the pandemic started, and now do it again. If you're a homeowner, that number is a lot nicer today than it was two years ago and five years ago, a lot nicer. So stop being so hard on yourself because some people just get really hard on themselves. And, you know, on the, like, like you can black out some of the news that you're hearing because, you know, as much as it's impacting you at the grocery store and everything else you're doing on the housing front, you've done very, very well. So be proud of that. The only thing, the only thing that scares me is people who bought over the last, let's say year who call us to sell. That's, that's the only thing that scares me. That's going to be a tough one. Well, in fact, we have one right now that did not buy with us, but they bought our listing. Uh, they ended up paying, uh, I probably shouldn't say this on air, but yeah. um, what they More paid, than they should have. Well, put it this but way. that was the market. Put it this way. Market. Put it this way. He took possession of it. The day he took possession of it, he called us in to sell it because he got transferred. Yeah. We're about to list it $50,000 less than what he paid for it, which right. by the time you factor in, you know, an agent's real estate, cost, and real estate costs and by the time, you know, it's, he's lost a lot, a lot of money. And it's a, it's a, that was probably one of the worst conversations you have to have with someone who bought over the last year and say, you know what, yeah. we might have to put it here and you might get this, you're going to lose some money. So unfortunately this gentleman was transferred. He has no choice. I'm trying to convince him to rent it out. Um, you know, let the market, you know, rebound a little bit and, and potentially sell it a year or so, but he just doesn't have any appetite for doing that. So it's a shame. Yeah. Anybody that bought in the last year, you're having game. the same conversation with though, right? Yeah, and real estate should never be a short game anyway. Real estate should always be a long game. And yes, you know, anybody that's in the last two years, you've been lucky. The short game, you've been able to make some money on, but that's not the way it's going to last forever. Generally speaking, real estate is a three to five year investment. Anything less than that, and there's a good chance you're going to lose some money on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a, I always say over time, real estate is an unbelievable investment. I mean, you've seen, I mean, Anyone who's bought a house in the last five years, you've seen your your net worth skyrocket because of what's happening in the real estate market. So it's, it's even uh, it even, is, even two and a half years ago, if you bought a house two and a half years ago, you hit a huge home run. Well, yeah. I talked I talked about a, the the day the pandemic hit, I took possession of a townhome that I ended up paying three ninety in Orleans, and I remember thinking to myself, "Holy crow! I just paid three ninety for a townhouse in Orleans." That today is is, is six fifty with, with with its eyes closed, you know, and that, that was at the start of the pandemic. So, you know, anyone who bought a house just before the pandemic hit, you're you're laughing right now. It's your your house is skyrocketing in value, and that's that's what we love to see. I'll tell you one thing for sure: never in your life have you ever thought, "Holy crow!" Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? There's other adjectives. There's, there's other adjectives I wanted to use on the radio, but you know, Frank already got us in trouble once early on. In our holy crow, career. we got to take a break yeah. already. You said the S. You said the S word one time, Frank. On oh, there I can't believe that's a bad word. Five two one doc five two one eight two five five. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back. Gentlemen, do you think the August numbers are going to be a mirror image of what July was when they come out? I do. I do. I mean, in July, we saw the number of sales were down third. Now, keep in mind, they're comparing August to August last year, right? Yeah. And we, we had a bit of a slowdown come July and August last year. So, but, you know, when we look at July's num- July numbers, the number of sales were down 35%. Keep in mind, we were a little bit slow last July too. So that's actually a more drastic number. 
the average sale price is up 3.8% uh, in July. I think we're probably going to see very similar numbers. We're going to see the number of sales down quite a bit, but I don't think it's going to be down as quite as bit as 35%. I think it's going to be less than that. And when we're comparing August average sale price to August average sale price last year, we're going to, we're definitely going to be up because our average sale price has, is going to be up, but it's not going to be up drastically. So, um, and I think if we look at year to date, uh, our average sale price is probably going to come down a little bit again. Uh, we, we've seen it come down $20,000 over the last three months, which is not drastic when we've gone up 190. Uh, I think we're probably going to, we're probably going to drop a little bit on that as well is what I'm predicting. Should we not be looking more at trends as opposed to year to year, month to month? Yeah. And that's why I always look at the year to date numbers uh, to see where we're, what the trend is. And, I, and what we've done is we've peaked in April. Uh, and then from April, we've actually come down since then every single month. So our peak was, was uh, seven, what was it? 739 or something like that. So that, that was our, that was our peak. Uh, and I think what we're going to do is we're over the next probably four months, uh, average sale price will be up if you compare it month over month. But if you look at year to date, I think we're going to continue to come down a little bit year to date in almost every month. Well, how far back are you good going? Point. Hey, Steve, it's a good point because I think there's some calls out there for uh, the same thing to happen on the inflation numbers. Why do we have to look year over year? Why can't we look over the last six months and then compare inflation numbers over a six month period versus over a one year period? Like why, you know, if we had the big spike in February and March when Russia invaded Ukraine and we saw the oil prices go up. So now that we are accustomed to it, why not do it over a six month period? And therefore now the inflation numbers will look much more reasonable yeah, uh, you know, over a six-month period versus year over year. Well, and especially through the pandemic, so much changed over those two years. You're not comparing in a, a usual scenario anymore. Agreed. It's not apples to apples. It just and and it was the same thing in the real estate market. It was never apples to apples. That first year we went through pandemic, we were not comparing apples to apples because we were going through an unprecedented stage where people were working from home. Everything changed. So why why can't the year-to-year numbers change as well and, and not use those. Uh, you know, we changed everything else we did. Why not change the, change the criteria for that as well? Yeah, yeah good point. I good mean, point. the year-to-year is nice if you want to look back and say, okay, did I make money? Did I not make money? But if you're looking to buy a house or sell a house, you're trending a whole lot more recent than that. Like when you're doing comparables these days, Paul, you can't be going back more than a month and a half, two months. So some areas we used to be able to go back, you know, six, eight, ten months to see, to, to, to analyze all the trends and what's happening, stuff like that. Right now, you can't even go any any earlier than April. I mean, if you're if you're doing comparables and you're looking in Jan, Feb, March, and April for a certain house that you're about to list or about to help someone buy, you're looking at the wrong comparables. You almost have to go maybe sixty days, but almost thirty days to find out what the trends are and what the what the comparables are. You know, the days of you know searching over six and eight months is, is, is over. Yeah. You now are you now are searching month by month, and that's about it. Yeah, and that's, you're going back no further than May now, right? Oh, that's even far. Like, really, really, I was doing comparables for someone the other day, and I went back to mid-July is where I was looking at comparables because it's it's shifting all the time. I mean, I talked about the last three months, our average sale price has gone down $20,000. $20, yeah. So over the last three months is where you should be analyzing the data right now if you're looking at comparables for, for something. And, and even three months is a little bit long. I'm thinking sixty to 30 to 60 days is probably where you should be looking if you're looking for comparables. And once you list a house, how often do you revisit what the uh, what the number is? The price? Yeah. 
Yeah. So my, my thing is if, you know, if you've had, you know, 10 showings and no offers, we have a price problem. If you had no showings and no offers, we have a price problem. Uh, the location, the condition, I mean, you can change the condition. You can't change the location, but you can adjust the price according to the location and the condition. And I think that, you know, if you're not looking at that price, depending on what's happening with your showings, but if you're not looking at that price every two weeks, yeah. uh, you know, if you've been on the market two weeks and you're not sold, you, you need to look at that price. You just have to before, you know, I call it the riding the wave theory, right? When the market's going up, you can get ahead of it and go higher. But when the market's starting to come down a little bit, you want to get under everybody to get it sold before the market comes down even more. So, and there's still a lot of people out there that think the market's going up and they're, 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 they're hoping to price that way too. And you just, you can't do that. Speaking of which, uh, how long is a pre-approval good for, Frank? 120 days uh, with most lenders. Some lenders have 90 days. I had a client that called me at their bank. Their bank wouldn't do more than 90 days, and their closing date got pushed by a week, and it put them at 94 days. And the bank said, too bad, you're getting today's rates. And wow. um, you know, I had the conversation with the client. I said, go back to them and say, they'll, like, you'll pull everything from them. And, and the bank actually made an exception for them, because they had, but they had to use that. If they wouldn't have used you know, the threat of pulling all of their business from them, they were going to be stuck with a rate that was two percentage points higher from when they actually did it. So it was massive, massive for them. And just on principle, they were going to leave the bank just on principle. They didn't care at that point. But, uh, but aside again, from a locked in rate, how, aside from a locked in rate by pre-approval, I mean, if I'm going to look at a home, how long will that pre-approval that I go in to, to get from you today last? Just, you know, and, you know, you try to have this conversation with customers and sometimes they hear what they want to hear and they don't hear what they need to know. If you've got a pre-approval in place, um, the rate lock is the important thing because the rest of it is still always subject to be looked at again when you actually make an offer on a property. So, you know, I've had clients that, and I'll tell you a couple of examples that's happened. We've had clients that have quit their jobs after they got approved for the mortgage, but before they got the keys to their house. And now you got a lender that's calling, verifying employment right before close, and they don't have a job anymore. So until you get those keys in your hands, you can make no changes to your income without first discussing it with your yeah. bank or your broker. And you can make no other purchases that require debt being added because you're risking that mortgage approval. The banks put it in very fine print, but they say that every approval is subject to be reviewed again before closing. So once you get your keys, totally different. Once you get your keys, you can quit your job. You can do everything because you've already got your mortgage in place. You just cannot do it until you get those keys in your hands. And there's also the little things, eh? Like, don't go buy big purchases. I mean, don't go you buy can. cars and furniture and don't change your credit in any way possible. Pay all your bills on time. Like, yeah. you can't. You can't. And we've seen it many times where people go out and they're like, you know, they bought this new house. And it's two months before closing. They go out and buy themselves a nice, you know, Cadillac Escalade or something yeah. like that. And, and don't miss a payment. Know, don't miss a payment because that can make no. a big difference, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's vowel time. Oh, oh yeah. vowel time. You know what's the, again a best kept music uh, secret uh, in, in the city is Nostalgia Festival for anyone that uh, that hasn't been at Labrette and Flats. Two more nights of uh, great musical acts, uh, cover bands that are amazing. From our, from our, uh, even you, Paul, I mean, you grew up to ACDC and Kiss and Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel. That's the cover bands that are there over the next two nights. So fantastic. Uh, I've seen a lot of customers and a whole bunch of them, Paul, honestly say, you can't wait to buy Paul breakfast again, eh? Like, you know, <laughs> some big listeners to the show. So well, maybe uh, you can happy... buy him a drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, happy birthday to uh, DC, Darren Campbell, celebrating his birthday uh, tomorrow. And uh, Daniel Bissix from our Mick. 
not only celebrated his birthday, but also his fifth year anniversary with Sarah this past week. So nice. Happy anniversary. Awesome. awesome. And, and me, I'm just, I'm still disappointed that the rates are so high because I need to take a loan to pay for Frank's breakfast for the rest of the year. <laughs> oh, so really? <laughs> yeah. Hopefully really? we're back in the studio soon, boys. Yeah, I hope so. It's Paul at paulrushworth.com. Frank N at mortgagebrokersottawa.com. Have a great week, gentlemen. Have, Have a great, great week, week everyone. Weekend. And continue to support local businesses and charities.